Scarface, and today I'm going at this solo just because John he went on vacation and uh, the roads are a little bad, so he's he's a little further away. But anyways, this episode is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. They're a, a subscription box uh, where you can put in like razors, uh, hair care, skincare, all sorts of stuff. It's really cool. They it's a monthly thing. I'm subscribed to it. You know, even before they sponsored the podcast, I was subscri- subscribed to this uh, Dollar Shave Club, and and it's really cool because like I said, they have everything now. They have like hair stuff. Uh, skincare stuff and most importantly razors uh so if you if you haven't checked them out go ahead check them out the link is down below and this episode is also brought to you by chunky chicanos which is an nft i know i keep pushing nft on you guys uh but i'm telling you that's that's the way that things are going to go in the future is uh uh the nfts if you haven't educated yourself on nfts we did do an episode and we are going to do another one right before the chunky chicanos get released the the website is going to be linked down below just just so you guys could check it out uh, also follow them on Instagram, which is uh, just Chunky Chicanos at Chunky Chicanos, and it, hopefully soon they'll be done. That way you guys can buy them, and we'll show you guys how to buy them. Like I said, this is the way the future is going with NFTs. So if you guys haven't had a chance, go ahead and check them out. Links down below. Anyways, I've been wanting to do this episode just because a while back ago they did a uh, an event over at the waterfront, which is an event center where people can have like quinceañeras, weddings, and stuff like that. And we we had a booth there, you know, for for my company, you know, we're just showcasing what we do. And, you know, uh, out of nowhere, somebody came and talked to me, you know, and, and we started talking and like he knew a lot about me and which was really weird. So I was like kind of like mind blown, like and I really didn't remember his face. But then he started telling me like, oh, yeah, like we were like I was here with this person, this person, you know, this person, we know this person. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And then like, uh, finally he like, I, I connected some dots and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember now. It's just been so long since I ha- had seen him and he's had some, like an incredible journey so far. Uh, so I wanted him to jump on the podcast, explain what he's going through. He's trying to help other Hispanics and just other people who have these type of questions or going through a similar situation, which we'll get into, but we have Sergio. How you guys doing? I don't know if I don't know if you want to put your last name on the podcast. I mean, we'll get into it. Like, why I didn't want to say your last name because, like I said, I I don't know if you're, um, just just but your legal status. You know what I mean? Like that. That's why I didn't want to, you know, uh, put your last name out there. But anyways, he was telling me he's been through uh, a kidney transplant, uh, and I mean, we'll get all into it. And he's had some like an incredible journey just because. Uh, not having his papers, it's made it uh, a little bit more difficult for him to navigate through the whole like healthcare system and like try to get help and, and things like that. And he's also going to start a podcast of his own. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to link his Instagram down below. Uh, you have an Instagram, right? Yeah. Instagram down below and his Facebook that just in case you have any questions and then you can just follow him for future updates when he starts releasing his stuff. So hopefully this podcast episode is going to push him to get, get started you know, that way he can, you know, push this information out. But anyways, I want people to get to know you and, you know, uh, 
where you come from. So where are you originally from? So I born in Mexico. It's called Michoacán. Mm -hmm. It's like the south. Really hot down there. It's in the ciudad Apatzingán. Mm -hmm. That's where I born. So I moved to the United States when I was 16. When you were 16? Uh-huh. Okay. And I mean, how was that? Like you go from living in Mexico until you're 16 and then all of a sudden having to come over here. Uh, what kind of like the culture shock? Like how, how, how was that? You know, I was young mm -hmm. and I wanted to like have an adventure type of thing. So I was curious a lot about other things. So coming to California at that point, LA, mm -hmm. was kind of like crazy, but good at the same time. I kind of love it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I seen things that I never thought I want to see. Mm -hmm. um, well, especially so, going to LA. Yeah, it was crazy. So where I am from, you see the cows walking on the street. Mm -hmm. You don't really see cars so much. <laughs> things like that. Well, when I was right now, you probably do. But back in the day, it was kind of like a rancho type of thing. Mm -hmm. So coming to the United States, to Los Angeles, was just like blow my mind. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy it a lot. Did you move over there with family or? My dad. My dad used to live in uh, L.A. So my mom and my dad were not together. Mm -hmm. So my mom was in Mexico. I stayed with her and then I moved with my dad. So was it just because you wanted to come over here and have like a different type of life? or Because uh, I'm sure that was hard leaving your mom. Honestly, that was a one day thing. I got in trouble in Mexico <laughs> and I get to jail and my mom bailed me out. And one day I went to my grandma's house, my, you know, mm -hmm. my, and she said, okay, your dad has some money for you. Um, you got to go with this lady in two hours. You're going to the United States. Oh, wow. So I didn't have time to say bye to my mom or anybody. I just, uh, I don't know, just kick in and I was like, okay. You just and I just ride my bike and take off with this lady that only, I didn't know her. Uh, so she brought me. So, oh, so I don't, I don't know if you want to get in. Like, what did you do? I just write with her. No, 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 no. Like, that got you in trouble. That put you into oh. jail. So, <laughs> I used to work at the mercado, like a market, like huge, mm -hmm. you know, Central de Bastos. And um, you used to work there. Yeah, yeah. What uh, would you sell? Uh, tomatoes, okay. and, you know, fruits and stuff. Um, but they do a lot of drugs, alcohol, and you know, yeah, people like kind of like the atmosphere there yeah um so one of my friends said hey dude i need you to hold this drug for me i didn't do drugs he said just hold it for me and that night i got pulled over by the cops oh day. and he said hey you got drugs on you i said i have nothing on me i would never thought he was gonna do this so he said okay if i find something you're gonna go to jail and i said okay i don't have anything so guess what he did he goes to my wallet and he just you know emptied it out emptied it out and he's just like oh what I told you, and he just grabbed by my hair and threw me out of the truck, and then I was in jail for two days because I didn't want to call my mom. But this guy showed up with the camera and newspaper guy, and he's like, okay, I'm going to put your picture in the newspaper. So I had to call my mom, and I yeah. said, I'm in jail. Um, they don't believe me. The drug were, drugs were not mine, mm -hmm. but they did a test, and it came back negative. But my dad said, you, you're going to get in bigger trouble later for, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowds and yeah. stuff. So that's why they sent me over here. Dang. So imagine that you're going from just doing a favor for like a buddy to getting in trouble. And, and you, you, you just don't think about it at yeah. the time. You know, it's easy. Oh yeah, it's kind of cool. And you say, okay, I'll hold it for you. No problem. You never thought I was going to get, I never get pulled over before in a bike, especially, you know, <laughs> riding my bike home. It was late, but you never think you're going to pull over. Yeah. And so how, how long was your buddy planning on you holding the stuff? For? Just the day. Oh, okay. Just the day. Just the day. He just said, Hey, hold it for me. Give it to me tomorrow. So I'm going to go, you know, um, said, all right. The, the, and so that's what actually pushed you to come over to Mexico or not to Mexico, to the United States. You, no, I was honestly happy in Mexico. No, no, no. But that kind of like pushed you. you know, Getting in jail, your yeah. Parents, that was yeah. the breaking point. Mm -hmm. 
to my dad to say, okay, you gotta, you gotta do something else because this is not. So at, at that time, uh, you said you're from like a, a rancho, like it's, it's smaller, not a lot of cars. What in your head, what, what was the United States? Like, was it a movie that you saw? Because most people have like a, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, United States before that. No, never had. So what, what were you expecting to go to? Honestly, I like a big city. What do you think? Yeah, was- yeah. But most likely, like big stores mm-hmm. at that point. You know, Walmart things that you only see on TV. Um, what's funny about that? My mom always told me, "Okay, you gotta watch movies in English." Because what about if you go to the United States? <laughs> she never knew that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I knew a little bit of English. So when I when I came, oh dang! All right. So you, how how was? I don't know if you should. Ex- I mean, don't say exactly where. Like what everything. Like how you. How was the the crossing? So, when I got to the ladies' house, there were two more buddies, mm-hmm. two more people. I didn't know those guys, young, you know. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, you guys going to ride with me. It's going to cost you this much. I'm going to feed you. You're going to ride with me. And then I'm going to give you where to stay in Tijuana, Tecate, Tijuana. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So, I, you know, along the way, we stop and eat a lot of pollo and things like that. And then we st- I stayed there for like three months. And before you could cross? Uh huh. Because my dad didn't really send the money. So this is what happened. My dad uh, kind of forget about me. My two friends cross, <laughs> and one of them was really my buddy. We got to like, you know, to know connect. Each other. Yeah, yeah, we connect really good. And he's like, okay, dude, I'm leaving. I'm leaving you my Converse, everything I have. At that time, I used to smoke. Mm-hmm. And he's like, give me my cigarettes, all the dollar, all the pesos I have. I was like, oh, thanks. But I feel like trash, you know, I'm the only one there. But yeah. I'm always being kind of like, I like to clean and kind of stuff. So I help out in the house. So the people that I live with, you know, they kind of like me. So my dad never called. And I was like, okay, well, I got to go back. And then he said, don't do that. I said, I will let, she said, I will let you borrow the money. You go. Mm-hmm. And she did. And I tried twice. And then. So the because there's different ways of crossing. Right. You know, and there's not just one way. And I, like I said, don't, don't, you don't have to say names. You don't have to say where, uh, did you have to walk across or did you do it by car? So it was really easy. I never imagined it this way. I got to the fence and the guy just pulled out a letter, put it in there and said, okay, as soon as you get to the top, you just got to jump. And then you're going to run as fast as you can and you're going to hide it under those, you know, truck. Mm-hmm. And it was like five minutes run oh, and said, okay, and somebody's going to show up and it's going to yell, fierro, fierro. And then you got to jump on whatever car he's got and then he's going to take you to a safe place. So. That's what happened. Was that, how was that? Was that pretty scary? Like, cause. No, because I was young. I didn't really think what's really, ha- you know, what was happening. I just got excited and I don't know. No, it wasn't that scary. Yeah. Cause I always like to ask these questions because, um, you know, I was, I was born here, you know, and so I didn't have to go through that. And, you know, my parents didn't want us to go through that cause they wanted us to come here and have, you know, a better life. Uh, that's why I'm always curious, like just the feelings of going like, you know, it was it intense where you, you blood pumping, heart beating like out of your chest. Uh, cause essentially you could probably, if you get caught, they could probably shoot you. You could probably get, like get stranded out there and just like, uh, I know we had this lady on the podcast that her husband ended up, uh, dehydrating and ended up just passing away in the, in, in the desert, you know? So there's a bunch of things that happen like that. So you jump, you go and hide, they get, did the guy take long to show up? No. Right. Maybe two, three minutes and he show up. So 
I believe everybody's different, right? Some mm. people got it harder. Some people got it easier. Mm. Honestly, on my end, it wasn't that hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of excited. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a scary situation to mm-hmm. you. And you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to get caught, what's going to do to you, what's yeah. going to happen. Um, so, but, so you get in this car, what happens next? And then he just take us to a house and he dropped, I think three of us there and take other people somewhere else. And I was there for a day and a half and. You were and there for somebody, eight and a half months? Day and a half. Oh, one day, oh, and a day and a half. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so out at that house. And then he said, okay, I'm going to take you to the next city. And then somebody's going to pick you up. And then I'm going to take you to San Bernardino. That's what they ended up dropping me off. So next day, these two ladies show up. Um, and they're like, okay, you're going to ride with us. They had an Astro band. Mm-hmm. Um, Chevy Astro back in the day. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you just got to you know, sit normal on the seat. But when we tell you, you got to go under the seat. I was like, all right. Just by myself. You know, they're just on the front talking, doing their own thing. I didn't understand much what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were nice. Mm-hmm. You know, they were kind of nice. Um, and, the, you know, we, they're like, okay, you can sit back. We're, we're here now. We're mm-hmm. safe. And what happened next is crazy because my dad didn't show up <laughs> for some reason. So this is kind of like crazy because that, uh, I believe in God mm-hmm. and I believe that he was watching the whole time because otherwise I wouldn't be here right now. Mm-hmm. So what happened, we get to McDonald's in San Bernardino, only God knows where, because I don't remember at that time. Then they're just like, okay, your dad don't answer the phone. Uh, so we're just going to leave you here. Oh, shit. They give me a phone. I don't know how to use it. And they give me $8. I remember all once. And they're like, just go in there and eat something and see who you can call or we're going to give this number to, you know, see if they call you. They never did. So what they, they called the lady to let me borrow the money. And she contacted her daughter. They live in San Bernardino. And she somehow find what McDonald's I was because I didn't know. Mm-hmm. They didn't know. And she went and got me. Oh, wow. I was there probably for four hours. People were still looking at me weird. And I just like, you know, like, oh. That was the scary part, honestly, because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't. Yeah. I just, just see all these people speaking language, you know, English. I didn't know much. So it's like, oh, yeah. And, and this lady just show up and she didn't know what I looked like. I didn't know where, you know, she looked like, I don't know who's going to come and get me. I was hoping my dad will. Mm-hmm. Um, and this lady come to me and say, hey, you're Sergio? I was like, yeah. So, you know, that was that. Ladies, they let me borrow the money's daughter. They went and got me with her daughter and son. Mm-hmm. And took me to her house. And so, where's your dad at? Right now? No, no, like during that time. <laughs> so. Because I know, is, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you got a hold of him at one point and you're like, what what, what the heck? So, this is what happened. So, when I born, my dad wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And he never was. He was always in the United States back and forth. Um, I didn't really grow up with him. I used to call that my grandpa. Mm-hmm. I kind of grew up with my grandma and grandpa. So, I never really have a relationship with my dad. So... I don't think he kind of like was too motivated to. Yeah. So at one point he did wouldn't get me and stuff, but I was, I only, I only lived with him for a year mm-hmm. and then I moved out with my uncle, his brother. Mm-hmm. He was more nice than he did. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know. We just didn't get along very well um, with my dad, but at that time he was just, he likes, he used to drink a lot. Mm-hmm. He's dead now. Oh, um, sorry. No, no, it's all right. So he used to drink a lot and he just, just, you know, yeah, this is on thing and stuff. With I have no nothing against that. You know, have no like. Were Were you kind of? Because how how long had it been since you, since you seen your dad at that time? Like you're in you're in California now. 
how long before that had you probably seen four him? or five years four or five years i only saw my dad in mexico twice and he was went it back. super short or was um uh, i was short. no i was scared to you know to go out with them so he mm-hmm. tried to talk to me and stuff but i was like ah. well yeah you kind of didn't know him you know? yeah i you know and he was just like hey you know but i wasn't really excited to see him honestly I didn't know him. I was scared of him a little bit. So, mm. and so you get the so you go to their house because uh, they picked you up. Did you were you calling? How long did you stay with them? With my dad? No, no, no. Uh, oh, the, with the, the, the lady house mm-hmm. for week and a half until your dad went to go pick you uh-huh. up. And uh, so he goes picks you up. Were you planning on like just staying with him, living with him? Like, is because I'm I'm pretty sure you're already seeing it in your head. You know, like I'm gonna stay with him. I'm gonna you know find a job like. So on and so forth. So the situation was this. When he said come to the United States, it was more for me to go to school and not work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I went to his house, because I did went to his house, I didn't know anybody really, nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, okay, you're going to go to work tomorrow with us and then you're going to pay this much, you're going to do this. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess it's not school. I was 16 at that time. So when they talked to me, they said, okay, you're going to go to the United States, you're going to learn English, you're going to go to school and, you know, I'm trying to get educate you better, maybe get a career. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that went away when I got to see him. Um, he was kind of short. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I don't think he knew what I was because he didn't see me for so long. Yeah. So he was kind of like, oh, this guy, this, you know. Um, so. So, okay. So you're, you started working with them and you said you, you lived with him for about a year, right? Mm-hmm. And then you moved out with uh, your uncle. Uh-huh. And uh, w- was it still there in California? Yeah. They were basically neighbors, kind of, you know around the block but my uncle was more kind of like nice mm-hmm. so, yeah he actually saw you as a nephew yeah so i i called my uncle dad once in a while when i still talk to him okay so my dad got killed on 2013 um and then just i, I talked to him maybe twice after he left to mexico because he got killed in michoacan oh dang and from that point i think i got more close to my uncle because i look like my dad mm-hmm. so my uncle yeah kind of sees me Sees him on me. Was he involved with the wrong people? Honestly, I don't know what happened. When they called me, my mom just called me and said, oh, um, I have something bad to tell you. But, you know, I get a lot of uncles like that from Mexico. I lost cousins, uncles, people, mm-hmm. people that I love. I just, so one of my friends that came with me that I told you that he leave me his converse and stuff, he got killed month, he got killed a month and a half ago. Oh, wow. Um, so when they called my mom, said, oh, I just have a bad news. I don't know how to tell you. And I said, just tell me. Yeah. And, oh, your dad got killed. He got, you know, killed used to drive a cab taxi mm-hmm. and I guess he got killed. Um, some people said he was with the wrong people. Some people said he got just smuggers got him. Yeah. Damn. So I never really care, honestly. I just. Yeah. Cause you never actually built that connection with him. You know I care I mean? about him. You know, I yeah, talked yeah. to him a few times, but um, I didn't care what really happened. I was just scared that he was gone and I feel sad that I didn't, you know, get to know him better. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. And so you're living with your your uncle, uh huh. When, because you ended up coming to Idaho, yes. Like, what 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 caused the move to Idaho? So that friend, mm-hmm. the guy with the converse and stuff that I talked, his name was Antonio. Antonio, mm-hmm. um, he came to Idaho because one of his friends invited him to. Because we do granite, mm-hmm. you know, countertops and stuff. So one, they said, "Oh, dude, they have a lot of they need people in Idaho for granite countertops." Mm-hmm. So he came. I didn't really know what Idaho was. Honestly, I never hear of, you know, <laughs> you used in California, Texas, yeah, things like the that. States. Right. And when he got back to, to get his stuff two months later, he's like, hey, you got to come with me. 
I got a better place for you. He always cared for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, all right, well. So I went and talked to my uncle and I said, hey, I got to go again. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, go for it. Um, and he brought me here. Okay. He brought me, he connected me with people. I lived with these people for years. And then one day he said, dude, I got to go. This is not for me. But I want you to stay here. Because in California, I got, um, we got like robbed two times. Oh, wow. And one of the times was pretty scary because this guy just came out of the car like a Impala. I remember like it was yesterday. We got back from La Boom uh, at this con Huntington Park. Mm -hmm. It was very famous. I don't know if he's still there. Uh, we got back to our house and we got out of our cars. As soon as we get out of this car, he's, you know, a great Impala. And this guy comes with an AK-47. Oh, and all these, oh, dude, that is like, mm. and they were scary guys, dude. And, you know, they take everything, money, cell phones, everything they could take. And we just like, oh. So when that happened, that's when he decided to come up here. And then he said, you got to stay here. Yeah, because a, a, a lot of people, because um, California is beautiful. It is. You know, it has its beautiful places, but it also has its bad places. And uh, so, like, just so people can get an idea, I remember before the first time I ever went to Cali, right? Because I went to Cali with my parents before, but we only went to the nice places. We went to Disney World or Disneyland, you know, Universal Studios. But when I finally went by myself, uh, well, I went with some friends. You're thinking like California is going to be like palm trees, beaches, like you name it. And you go and there's like homeless people everywhere. And it's like some places just stink. Yeah, you go through a little section where it's like super nice. But then you all of a sudden, you, like, homeless people, people taking a, like a shit on the on the sidewalk. You know, this lady was walking around naked. Uh, we were walking uh, downtown L.A. one time and some lady, some homeless lady, she was like riding her bike next to me while I was walking. And she was talking to me. And I thought, well, I thought she was talking to me. She was like talking and talking and I was answering back. But then like she kind of sped up and she still kept looking over talking. You know, like if somebody was there, I'm like, I don't think she was talking to me. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, but also, like, the, you know, there's a lot of gangs. There's a lot of, like, you know, um, theft that goes on there, too. So I, I can see why you left. Because also, my when my dad first came from Mexico, he they went over to California. Because that's usually, you know, where everybody goes is California, Texas, Arizona. But then he, he didn't like it. You know, he was, was too many people. It was too, like, a lot going on over there. Like, uh, bad stuff going on, too. And that's why he ended up coming to Idaho, you know, because I was always curious. I was like, why Idaho? You know, like you, it's not a common place, you know, especially Idaho Falls. Uh, but I can see why you guys wanted to leave. Uh, uh, so you come to Idaho, right? You come to Idaho. Did you come during the winter? Yes, sadly. <laughs> so that place is called Pacoma, California. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those times you kind of want to stay away a little bit or you just go to during the day. Yeah. During the night, it's crazy. So... Two months later, that road that we got, um, there is this kid riding a bike. We're outside playing volleyball, you know, same house and everything. And there is kid riding a bike. This guy came out of the car in the corner. He followed that kid and shot him three times on the back. <laughs> and that's when he said, okay, we got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And then we we moved from that house like next week. And then that's when he ended up here. I went back to my uncle. And then, um, yes, I did. I, I came on the winter time and I was. Was that the first time you ever saw snow? Yes. <laughs> How was that? Yes. <laughs> it was nice, but for a minute, and then I got super cold. I used to sleep right by the heater. I almost want to hug that thing, you know, for the first three years, I think. But. Did you ever, because it, it happened to one of my buddies, him and his family, 
just that there was a time where people, a lot of people, and still to this day, moved to Idaho just because the cost of living is a lot lower than California. But they had came during the summer. And then the first winter hit, his parents left. <laughs> his parents went back. He stayed here for a little bit longer. But it scares a lot of people because you have to learn how to drive in the snow because it's not that easy. right? Like right now, today, it's uh, the roads are somewhat clean. But uh, if you've never driven them, driven in them, it's really intimidating. It's really scary because your car slides. It will slide if you don't know how to drive properly. So did it scare you at all? Like when you came to, cause not only is it cold, like you have to sit by the heater and stuff like that, but you have to, uh, you have to wake up early to warm up your car. You have to like dress warm. And then it sucks when you have to wake up super early and you have to go outside and your car is all frosted and you have to like defrost it. Did you ever think about like, Oh, maybe I should just go back. Cause it's too cold here. So what happened when I came out, I have a car, I mm-hmm. came with them mm-hmm. and I was 18 and I said, dude, I don't like this. Is it okay? You just got away. As soon as we go to California, you can go back. But that never came. Like So summer came. And I was like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. You know, the <laughs> river, the green. I was like, oh, maybe I like it. Mm-hmm. And then I liked that there was no gangs. Um, they were not really trouble. You take it easy. And that's when I decided to stay. I did want to move right back when, when yeah. I got so cold. Because I don't know about, like, warm boots or, like, you know, thermals and stuff. So freezing everywhere I go. I was just like, <laughs> You're like, how do people deal with this? Yes. You know, especially I'm from Michoacán and they go up at Tierra Caliente because it's super hot. Mm-hmm. Like hot, extremely hot. Oh, yeah. So I was just, I was cold in California. So in mind how cold I was here. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's funny because like sometimes when we go, I mean, you've probably seen it now. Uh, like if you ever go visit somewhere that where it's uh, warmer than Idaho, it hits like 60, 70 degrees. They're outside in like jackets and uh, sweaters and whatnot and beanies. And we're out there in like t-shirts and bikini weather, you know, <laughs> yeah. for us. Yeah. Cause uh, it doesn't get that. I mean, it gets hot here, but not that hot. Uh, so you're here. Uh, did you, you start working in the granites and like the granite countertops and stuff like that? Yes. Uh, so is, is that what you just continue to do after that? Uh, yes. Like, uh, so did, yeah. At, at what point, because I know we met a long time ago. At what point did we, like, cross paths? Like, was it early on to your, uh, like, for when you first got here? Uh-huh. Or was it later on? A couple years. A couple years? It was a couple years. You know, when I actually got to go out and stuff. So, the first year, I didn't really do much. I just kind of, like, hang out with the people that I knew. I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came to Idaho, there were not very many Hispanic people as it is now. Mm-hmm. So, it was kind of hard to have friends and stuff. So, I know very few people. So, I kind of stay on the circle. But then... After a few years, I kind of start going out. My English got a lot better mm-hmm. living here because, you know, in California, you go to a store and you speak Spanish to everybody. Oh, yeah. And they're like, you know, whatever. But Idaho was different. I go to the gas station. So I just see this lady looking at me like, can I help you? And I was like, uh, <laughs> your Spanish doesn't work as much, you know. Yeah. So it take a minute. I didn't I didn't drive for the few years, you know, few, uh, two years. Okay. So it take me a minute. But then I started going out, going to the gym. I went to the Apple, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's where we originally uh-huh. like started seeing each other was at yes, the, the Apple. As at the Apple, because I remember, and you started talking about. It, I'm like, oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like, you start like, it, it, it's funny because you start forgetting some of your memories, right? But then until somebody starts talking about something, and you're like, oh yeah, you know, and that's what happened to me. And I was like, I, I remember now. Like, and then you start. I'm like, I would hang out with this person, you know, you know this person, you're related to this person. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I had completely forgot because it been so long since I seen you. Uh, and you said you had moved? 
like that's why we hadn't like connected in so long. Yes, I was. I was just back and forth, Californian mm-hmm. stuff. So I wasn't really here. Yeah, I was just kind of like going back and forth and kind of stay working. I mm-hmm. was basically like working most of the time. I didn't. I didn't hang out as much as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so because I know like uh, I mean we can kind of get into it now. Like since you you've had uh, a kidney replacement, right? Mm-hmm. At one point, did you start feeling like, or now that you think back on it, you're like, oh shit, like, uh, maybe I should have got myself checked there. Like, what were some of the first things that started happening to you that, uh, at first you didn't really think anything of it, but then it started, you know, leading up to something. So I always moving around. Mm-hmm. I don't like to stay, sit down for, I having a hard time watching a movie because I got to get up and do something. So honestly, I was always moving. Mm-hmm. I never feel bad. I feel great. Um. Always working, trying to, you know, stay on top of my things and stuff. And that really happened when I got sick. It was two weeks before I was di- diagnosed with kidney failure. And what happened is uh, I just started feeling t- really tired. And I just want to stay asleep. And then one morning, I remember like it was yesterday, I wake up in my, you know, in the morning you wake up and your urine increased because, you know, all night. And yeah. then that specific morning, my urine output wasn't very much. And I was like, oh, what's going on right now? You know, and I was tired and then. From that moment, I realized something what's going on, and um, I start throwing up everything I ate. Even if I drink water, mm-hmm. or you know, come back. And I was like, oh. And I start feeling really like my heart was coming out of my chest. And I was like, oh, I should go check that out. So I went to a doctor, and the lady um, draws some blood. And she said, oh, your blood pressure is really high. I was like, okay, but you know, you think it's normal. You think they can just give you a pill for it. And mm-hmm. She did. She gave me some pills and she's like, I cannot get it down. We need some urine sample. Like, okay. But at that point, I didn't think what was going to happen next. Yeah. Um, about a half hour later when she got the results, she's like, you got to go to the hospital right now. They're waiting for you. I was like, okay. And she said, you probably going to need dialysis. When she said dialysis, honestly, I didn't know what it was. I just thought, okay, probably go there for a minute. They're going to let me get out and then yeah. I'll be okay. Well, that didn't happen. Um, I get to the hospital and they're like, who are you? And I was like, oh, this lady over there said you're waiting for me. I was like, okay. So take them probably an hour to find out who I was and stuff. So they, you know, gave me in the emergency room and they ran all the tests again. And the, the guys are like, oh, you're going to be admitted at the hospital, Air Mac, you're not all false. So I went up there and I honestly didn't know what was going on. The doctor came and he said, okay, uh, we're going to flash your kidneys and see if we, you know, we can get him working again. And I said, okay. Honestly, I didn't know what was going to happen Still, until he came all sad. And he said, okay, your kidneys are working 8% right now. Oh, and you can either get dialysis or go home and die. So, when you know, you get those two choices, what do you say? Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> so, for you to get dialysis, um, your kidneys have to be working 15% or lower. If your kidneys are working 17, 18, they will try whatever they can do to, you know, to get them working better. Mm-hmm. Your diet, your fluids, salt intake, all that kind of stuff, you know, to get them to stay there or get, you know, to improve the mm-hmm. the work of the kidney. Um, but at that point, I didn't get that choice. I was 8%. So he said, you're going to get dialysis or, you know, it's your choice. You can go home and die. Yeah. I was like, well, dialysis. But honestly, I didn't know what dialysis was. I hear the word before, but you don't know until you actually go through stuff sometimes to know what's really going on. Um, he said, we're going to do a biopsy on your kidneys. And then tomorrow they're going to put a catheter on your chest. It goes through your heart and then they'll, you know, for the analysis. 
And next morning they did that. They take me for the catheter and they did the biopsy. They couldn't get a piece of my kidneys because the doctor said they were too small. Mm-hmm. So what happened with your kidneys are not working or start decreasing the work, they start shrinking. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, they grow and some people, they got to take them off. But some others, they just shrink and they leave them there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what happened to me. They just shrink. Um, they told me they could be the high blood pressure that I have. And the problem with the high, you know, the high blood pressure is that you don't feel it. It's hard to feel that. You just feel normal. Mm-hmm. The low blood pressure, you do feel it. You feel lightheaded. You feel like, you know, you know passed out. Um, I never knew I had it. So I never feel bad. But mm-hmm. that's the only reason they could think they you know, kill my kidneys, the high blood pressure. And you just never... I was not aware mm-hmm. until that moment. You know, I didn't know what high blood pressure was. I don't know. I never go to the doctor because I never feel bad. Yeah, and so you you never gone to go, like, check yourself and, like, things like that. Because w- w- what sucks is it, it's not common with Hispanics. Like, we wait until something bad happens to go get checked. So an incident happened. My nose started bleeding like crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, one day and I went to a doctor and she said, oh, it's probably, you know, because of the cold. The weather is too dry. You're not used to it. And she said, and I told her, I said, hey, there's, you know, a few other symptoms I have. She's like, you're too young to worry. Go home. That was the only thing I went to a doctor. And that was probably two months before that happened. <laughs> uh, she said, you're too, you know, you're too young. Don't worry about it. Go home. Enjoy life. And yeah. Dang. So I, that- wanted to, I wanted to go back and tell the lady, hey, remember I told you I got some symptoms? They were real. I, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, because that could have been, you could have caught it beforehand and who knows. Uh, but unfortunately, we shouldn't be thinking like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I like, don't, I, don't. I just want to point that out because, you yeah, know. No, no, no. That's it, crazy. It makes sense. So even if they tell you, if you still don't, if it's not normal. Double check it. Double check it. Like maybe, okay, they said no. Let me go check over here because, uh, like I said, we usually wait until the last minute to go do something. Uh, I, I know some, it's, it's common, very common with his, Hispanics. Like we wait until like, we're almost dying to go to, to, go to the hospital, which we shouldn't like, right. you know, we need to suck up our pride a little bit, go. I, I get my blood checked. I go just in case, because you know, uh, there's a bunch of like health problems that run in our family. And I just want to be able to catch it beforehand just in case, you know, cause I don't want to end up being like, Hey, like it's too late, you know? And so, which should be even if you feel great, go get your blood work checked. Go get it checked just just in case. You right. n- you never know because they'll be like, "Oh, everything looks great. You look keep doing what you're doing," and then that's more of like peace of mind. Yes. But if you just wait, hey, I'm fine. I'm fine. You Man. know, um, one of the things the Hispanics do a lot is they're just like either they worry too much or they don't worry at all. They're like, oh, it's gonna go away. Yeah. Or they're just like, "Oh, I probably have cancer. I probably have you know <laughs> the worst. The worst case scenario." Um, and either they go to one extreme or the other, but yeah, everybody should get checked out once in a while, yeah. even if you feel great, um, because you never know. Yeah, exactly. But if you cut it on time, you can, you know, save a lot of the stuff that can happen. Yeah, you can take the the, pro- the the steps necessary in order to either stop it, like you know, or help fix where it's at right now. Because you you read about these like oh like if we would have waited another month like you know we wouldn't have been able to save them or, you know, and things like that. So always just uh, get checked twice, twice a year. Like it costs a little bit of money or if you have insurance that covers it, it doesn't, it's not very much, you know, uh, it's worth it. It's worth it. Put it that way. Exactly. Like your, your health, your health is the most precious thing you have. You don't know that until you actually, you know, you need assistance to live better. But right now, um, 
they don't do transplants in Idaho, so I go to Utah a lot. And sometimes I go to Utah because I got this like little issue, and my wife is like, "Are you really gonna go?" I said, "I better be safe." I'm sorry, I'm not. I don't want to be like mm-hmm. you feel this and you didn't came. Yeah. So dude, sometimes should... I go there and like, "Yeah, you do. You have an infection. We gotta, t- you know, we gotta deal with the fast." Sometimes they're just like, "Oh, uh, something simple. You can go home." But you know, on my mind, yeah, well, it's set you're... up to like, I'm not gonna wait. I'm just gonna go. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they said. I'm just gonna go, and I want to make sure I'm okay. So. So I had a question, like going back a little bit, what's going on through your head when they tell tell you, you get dialysis or you go home and die? Because you, you, you're thinking you're fine. And then all of a sudden they're telling you like, hey, like you, this is really serious. Like what's going on through like your head? Like, are you in shock? Are you like, you're like how is this happening to me? You know, I was trying to stay positive on every situation since I was little. Um, I went through a lot of like pain and stuff and suffers kind of thing. And I always get the best out of it. I don't know how that happens, but I always try to stay positive. So when that, when they told me that I said, I'm going to make it, I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, I was yesterday, I pray mm-hmm. and I read one of the verses that I believe that that time God gave it to me. And he said, you're not going to die. And I stood to that. I said, I said to the person that was next to me in the hospital that one time I said, it's not my time. Cause mm-hmm. you know, so the scary part, the doctors came and they said, hey, where's your family? We got to have somebody here. You got to do the will. And when they tell you those kind of things, you're like, oh, why are you telling me? You know, your mind, you yeah. don't want to ask him because you don't want the answer. What about if they tell you, well, you got six months or, you know, yeah. a wrong answer. So you don't ask this thing. You just like, end up, oh, <laughs> I hope I'm doing okay. I hope, you know, yeah. I said, I don't have any family. All my family is in Mexico. And they're just like, oh, I remember one of the doctors, uh, Pakistan doctor. He came to me and said, hey, you should go to Mexico. Just, just move. And I was like, oh. So sometimes you just got to block those comments. Even some of my friends, you know, when they came to me, it's like, oh, you're too young to go through this. Why this happened to you? Think questions that you're just like, dude, are you serious right now? Yeah. And sometimes you got to block that. And sometimes I used to tell my friends, I'm going to get better. Don't worry. You know, um, the only thing that did get me um, was the, the fact that I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always trying to stay, like I said, on top of things and kind of know what's going to happen, plan things ahead. At that time, I didn't know what's going to happen. I didn't know how my life was going to be. Like I said, I got payments. I got, you know, things, things and stuff and everything got in hold. Mm-hmm. You wish life will, but it doesn't. You know, it continues going yeah, and on and on. Going. And you're just like, okay, can you please stop for a minute? Let me deal with this. Because one of the things that I, I try to help people a lot right now and, you know, my on dialysis and stuff, even in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um because Mexico is harder than the United States. And sometimes they cannot even get medications. And I always tell friends when I help them out with money or things like that, whenever I can help them with sometimes praying for them, sometimes I send people to help them out and stuff. I always tell them, I help these people because I think the only thing somebody should worry when they're sick is to get better. Mm-hmm. Not to get money, not to worry about all these other things because that just takes so much out of you. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you want to get better. Sometimes you want to, but you're also thinking, I want to pay this. How am I going to get that? How am I going to get, you know? And I've been through that. I've been through that situation because I'm by myself. I cannot be like, oh, mom, can you please go get that medication for me? Oh, can you please pay for that? I can do that. Yeah. She's not here. I didn't have anybody at that time to do that. But I did have a lot of friends that, you know, came and helped out and stuff. But the worst thing, honestly, was like the desperation, not knowing what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. They told me, you got to be here for until you get insurance. So the enrollment for insurance, and it's from November to December 16. And 
I had to get insurance. They won't let you leave the hospital until you get insurance. So I was in the hospital for about a month and two weeks. Until you get, got insurance. Uh-huh, until insurance kick in because insurance, you get the insurance on December, yes, but doesn't kick in until the first of the year. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. So they won't let me leave until I got it because as soon as I leave the hospital, you got to go to dialysis. You got to get dialysis three times a week, four hours. Um, so I didn't know insurance-wise. I didn't know what insurance really was. I know my car insurance, but I didn't know what health insurance. At that, I was 20, 27. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you don't you, really worry about kind of insurance at that time. I didn't, honestly. Yeah. Um, so all these kind of things, all these questions, all these like, who I'm going to call, who is he? Um, people come to you and tell you all these things you can do, but you don't know. Yeah, because it, 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 it's it, so, so much information to handle, you know. Just the fact that they put a tube in my chest and they, you know, they put a needle through my back. You just... You just want, you don't know what to do with all that kind of stuff. And you still got to worry about it. You still got to worry about that. Still got to worry about bills and stuff like that. Like you really don't get that peace of mind. Uh, Like I said, one of the things that I wish for, it was just like the world stopped for a minute and wait for me. Because at that point, I I felt like I was like on my knees trying to walk and everything was going so fast. You know, lying speed and, you know, people don't wait. Mm -hmm. Your things don't wait. Yeah. Yeah, life doesn't stop. Exactly. Like, so that was that was really one of the hard things that you kind of wanted to tell me. Hey, can you please wait? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, going back a little bit to uh, that comment that you made, which is, like, I don't know why he would tell you that. Where he said, you said that doctor said, oh, why don't you go back to Mexico? You know what I mean? Like, why? why to me, that's kind of mind-blowing. Because it was at that time. You're like you're supposed to be helping me, not telling me to leave. So let let me explain that because you know it can it can get wrong. So the person was next to me that time too. Also got like, why is this guy saying that to you? You know, they almost going to complain to the you know to the staff at the hospital. And those guys told me this, but I got a good friend that knew them, and I asked her and I said, do you know? And she said, okay, this doctor speaks really little English. So sometimes he want to say things like nice, but he doesn't. He just said it so hard and they make you think bad about him. But what he means is like, maybe in Mexico you can get better help. That's what he means. But he used to tell me, hey, go back to Mexico because his English didn't go that far enough to explain what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I always try to think things positive. You know, yeah. maybe for him that was the best idea and I respect that. But I got to, you know, I got to do my own idea. Mm-hmm. I got to respect what I was thinking. I got to respect. So like I said, even so my friends tell me, why you got sick? What do you do? Yeah, you didn't take care of yourself. You always drink this. You know, people criticizing you at that time. You just like, dude, come on. Yeah, give me a break right now. You know, I remember one of the older people. They're like, oh, we're gonna take you this and we're gonna do these remedios and we're gonna give you these like teas and stuff. You're gonna get better. And I was like, this, just give me a break. Yeah, just... I'm not gonna leave to do that right now. I'm in the middle of, of, you know, trying to find out what's gonna happen. So you just gotta stay positive. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot. I remember at one point, uh, medication was not working. And I was throwing up everything in front of my friends. Sometimes my friends came to see me at the hospital and I was just like, sorry, guys, you know, yeah. throw up in there. And and that's when I said, this doesn't, you know, the doctor came and I said, we can do anything for you. We cannot give you anything. We try everything and you just don't get better. And I just lift my eyes and I said, okay, you know, God is the only one can do it. And I pray and I remember like I was yesterday, right next to that, I just got better. You know, sometimes you just got to, you just got to talk to, you know, up there. So... Because, like, you're going through this, you know, they're giving you the medications. Uh, at, at what point do they tell you, hey, like, you're going to need another kidney? 
Oh, as soon as you need the dialysis, you need another kid. Okay. okay. That's, that's yes, no yeah. question asked. Okay. Uh, like I said, if your kidneys are working more than 15%, 16, 17, You still 18, have a chance. You, you still have a chance either to get better or, you know, they will try with diet, medication to stay right there so you don't have to go below 15. As soon as you go below 15, you, they start talking about dialysis. Okay. Obviously, it's always your choice. Some people decide not to get. I know a guy um, about five years, no, about seven years ago, he got really sick. You know, he needed dialysis. He said, I don't want it. I'm just going to go to Mexico and die. And he did. Okay. You know, some people just take that. And I never thought about dying like that. You know, mm-hmm. I always fight it. I honestly, many of the times that I was, many of the days that I was at the hospital, I thought I was going to die because how bad I was. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I got a lot of questions and stuff and I said, like, I'm just going to die. Doctor, you know, some of the nurses came and be like, hey, you should get your family here. You know, do your will. And he was like, think, why? You know why they're telling me this? I'm just going to die. You want to ask that, like I said, but you don't because you don't want the answer. Yeah. So I never ask anything. I just tell them, okay. Okay, thank you. You mm-hmm. know, I was nice to them because they have, you know, some people take against the nurses. I've seen that and I hate it. They don't have nothing to do what's going on with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was trying to be nice to them. They're just doing their job. You just got to be nice to them, support with them, you know, not be rude about it. Um, but it was just crazy, you know. But yeah, as soon as your your kidneys are not working, 50% or more, you need dialysis. There is no question asked on that. And obviously, dialysis can go for so long, but then the best treatment is get a kidney transplant. Mm-hmm. So when did you tell your, your, your mom? You know, I don't want to tell my mom. So I got an accident in California. I was at the hospital um, in coma. Oh, damn. My mom never find that out. I never told her. I never told. So my grandpa told me this. He taught me this. He said, never call anybody for bad news if you're far away. Never. So that got into me. And I never called my mom. I never called anybody. But I, this lady that lives here, she's one of my really good friends. She knew my mom. Mm-hmm. And one time she came to the hospital and she said, okay, if you don't tell your mom, I'm going to tell her Dang. about this. I don't want to tell her anything, you know, because why are you worrying? She yeah. didn't do much from there, you know. Um, when she put it out, I was like, okay, I'll tell her. So I just called her one day and I said, okay, I'm in dialysis right now. This is what's going on. How did she take that? You know, good. Yeah. Good for, you know, for being far away and stuff. She didn't melt down. She said, we're going to, you know, we're going to make it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we always try to stay positive. She kind of always taught me that. It's always something better. Yeah. No, I mean, you just kind of like threw me off a little bit because you, you got in a wreck in California and you went into a coma? Yeah, so we were going to Vegas and uh, this move stand. Uh, and I just remember I was on the back seat. No, you know, no seat belt. Mm-hmm. Nobody had it <laughs> except for the driving dude. And me and other guy, we got really bad. The, the driver didn't get hurt at all. The passenger, you know, the co-pilot guy yeah he just broke his arm but the two guys on the back me and the other guy who flew out of the car <laughs> and i got in coma i got some stitches on my eye that's why one of my eyes looked and my broke my nose that's why it's a little off and the other guy got worse he was in coma for six months how long were you in a coma for just for a few weeks they couldn't find me so i didn't know honestly until one day i woke up at my house so my dad had to like call like all these hospitals until they find me because they didn't know who i was i didn't have any id then mm-hmm. so yeah Montevideo Hospital, I think it's called. Silmar, California. Like, I, I don't know. How is that waking up? Like, do you remember Do you remember right before it happened? So one of my friends, the one that broke down, he was really my good friend. I didn't know the other two guys. Mm-hmm. We just going to Vegas. Okay. Uh, he said, Do you were awake. You were crying. You were breathing a lot. You were saying, you know, how are you going to tell your dad and stuff? Because at that time I lived with my dad. And I said, I don't remember nothing. 
What's the earliest memory you remember of that? Nothing. Just sitting on the car. And then all of a sudden you just remember waking up? My house and my couch, yeah, with the stitches on my eye and my nose because, you know, I broke my nose and then my eye. They kind of like, you know, stitch up my eye because on the side of it. Did they say what, how the wreck happened? No. There you say, when a, you know, on a curb, we just flip over. And, then Jeez. and you flew out the car. Yeah, we all kind of like got hit, but I would guess the two on the back were worse because we don't not sit down at that point. Dang. Honestly, in Mexico, let me make that clear. In Mexico, nobody wears seatbelt. So for me, it was kind of hard when I got here. People used to yell at me, hey, put that seatbelt on. We're going to pull over. But I was not used to that time, yeah. so I just don't put it on. Yeah, see, I, I, the reason I got used to putting on my seatbelt is because my car won't start be- stop beeping unless I put the seatbelt on. So right. I do it now, though. I put the seatbelt and my car doesn't beep, but I do it. Yeah, because uh, you get into a habit. And especially if something like that were to happen, it, it's always, again, better to be safe than sorry. Because even if you're going from here to your house, 10 minutes, you never know. You know what I mean? Like, And that could potentially save your life. Uh, and now I'm just in the habit. I get in, put the seatbelt on. I don't even think about it now. Uh, all because, you know, I'm thankful for my car now. But before I'm like, oh, my God. God, you know, like it's yeah. beeping, like shut up. Just so it just like. You just uh, never think what's going to happen. Yeah, you know? exactly. But. So I do it. you you get a hold of your mom, you tell her, you know, she says you guys are going to get through this. You know, uh, at this point, you're still doing dialysis, right? I was doing that. I was a star doing dialysis at the Idaho Kidney Center. Is that what it's called? I'm with the Raheem brothers. Mm-hmm. Very famous in town. Um, great people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you sit there for four hours, three times a week. And then they were trying to decide what they were going to do because uh, there is two types of dialysis. They can do hemodialysis. But they put a catheter in your hand and they, you know, put some needles and then put, pump the blood out through this filter mm-hmm. and then pull it back right in as a clinic on that filter on the machine. Or they can do PD, um, peritoneal dialysis. And that's what they decide for me. So what they do is they put a tooth in your belly and they um, do like a fluid thing with the machine and they put fluids in your in your belly and your own membrane kind of cleans out a little bit and then... That same machine pulled the fluids out with the toxins and all that kind of stuff. And that's what I decided. So I started doing 10 hours and a half a day. Wow. After they did. So I got three surgeries before the catheter started flowing because my body keep like hogging the line. Mm-hmm. So until the, like I said, the term is the, the three times the charm, right? <laughs> that started working and I was on 10 hours and a half a day Damn. for, you know. Was that painful at all or did you even feel it? Uh, You don't feel the actual dialysis. You know, because you just hook up to a, like a hose, like hooking up a hose. Uh, what I was paying for was the surgeries. Uh, what I was paying for was when your labs didn't come back right, just your body was not accepting it. So on that month and a half at the hospital, I, le- I lost 20 pounds. I was, you know, I got cheeks. I was, you know, a little chunky. I was a little muscly. Dude, I got out. I was like, damn, what happened to you? Yeah. You know, you can just see my face, my color change, everything. I look sick. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way, you mm-hmm. know, but badly. Um, so I lost a lot of weight. I used to throw up a lot. Sometimes the food didn't you just stuff and you just like, this is not going to do me good. And you just stop eating. Sometimes you don't eat because of that a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's a life changing experience, obviously. Right. But you just learn, I guess, how to get. How to adapt to it, you know, cause you could either just sit there and, and, and being like self pity, like, why is this happening to me? Or you could learn how to adapt to it. And see see the positive outcome. You know what I mean? Like, cause how you like, you're, I'm gonna get better. You know, you know like, some, this is just some people take it wrong. They're just like, oh, I'm sick. I just don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. I eat whatever. I drink whatever. I just don't care. Or some other be like, okay, 
because for you to get a kidney transplant, you got to work hard to get it. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to take care of yourself. You got to get better. You got to get in shape. You got to do a lot of tests. Mm -hmm. So honestly, when they told me about the kidney transplant and all it was going to take, I said, I don't want it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't know I was just going through so much and the doctor is trying to, you know, trying to get me into the kidney transplant. Just when he told me how much it was going to cost, I was like, ah, just, just, you know, he sent the paperwork. I never answered the paperwork. So the hospital sent me a letter saying, okay, you're denied. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he pulled me in and he said, okay, Sergio, this is the only choice you have. You're only 27 years old. What are you going to do? And he explained it to me like a father. Uh, his name is Michael Hotherty. Great doctor. Uh, and I said, okay. And then thankfully the, the hospital sent me again. He sent a letter and I sent a, you know, like I'm sorry letter type of thing. And I told him, sorry, I was not what I, you know, I was going through a rough time. I don't know what I was saying. I mm -hmm. didn't understand what was really going on. And cause you got to get in a list, mm -hmm. you know, transplant. And they, they got me back. They said, okay, we're going to work with you again. So how was your insurance going to cover this cost? They're like, what, what? You know, at that point you don't know, like you don't know all this until you actually go talk to them, the mm -hmm. team, the actual like kidney transplant thing, because it's a whole different story. You know, you're going through this hospital here, but then these guys has nothing to do with the actual kidney transplant team. And you go talk to them. They explain to you, obviously your insurance has to approve it. Mm -hmm. But right now in the United States, the kidney transplant costs about half a million dollars just for the kidney transplant. So I worked a lot of money now, but yeah, it's half mm -hmm. a million bucks for the kidney transplant cell. And then you got to think about medication. You got to take anti-reaction medications for, you know, the rest of the life of the kidney. Um, and then, yeah, it's expensive. And the, like I said, you have to do a lot of tests, work, stay healthy as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you, they put you on a list. Yes. Did they tell you about how long the list was? Uh, gonna... The waiting time in Utah mm -hmm. is three to five years. And then, because they told it you. It changes that... in every state. Yeah. For yeah. example, in California, it's five to 10 years. So, you know, more population, more kidneys, more needs. Utah's not as big as California or Texas or other big states. That... Did you have to stay close to Utah just in case they did call you? No. They just told me, okay, when you would call you, you're going to come like ASAP. So, no. Do you have to be a resident in Utah? No. Okay. So you just... No, because Utah takes Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, because any of those states have kidney transplant, okay. you know, hospitals, because the hospital has to have a capacity. Okay. You know, for the recipients and stuff and... Utah's, you know, the closest states to Idaho. So how long since you accepted it, right? You accepted to get the kidney transplant. Uh, and then I'm, I'm assuming you figured out how everything was going to work. Like if your insurance is going to cover this, what, what is it going to cover? Was it a little bit more difficult just because uh, you said right now, like a little bit ago, you're in the process of getting your paperwork, like your papers done. Right. Was it a lot harder for you to get like uh, financing for the for the kidney? So it's hard for you to get insurance itself. Mm -hmm. You know, you cannot just go and like, okay, I want this insurance because this package, I want the, the cheapest one, but the goodest one, you can do that. They say, okay, you can get this one. So you only have one choice sometimes, like I did. Mm -hmm. uh, this insurance is offering help. And it's like, okay, I take it. You know, you don't have a choice. Um, like I said, you don't know how much it's going to cost. Like I, like I said to you earlier, I lost a lot of stuff. I lost my card. I lost a lot of things because of the bills that was going to cost me my phone. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of things. And... They used to tell you, you need to save money because of the trust plan, you know, when they call you. And when I went to Utah the first time to talk to the team, they said, okay, you need to save money. You need these. And they just give you a list of stuff they need. And you just kind of like, okay. And I wasn't saving much the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't, I didn't spend these. I didn't buy a nice car and do this. I just trying to save as much as I can because the time was coming. Yes, the insurance, uh, 
thankfully, if they accept the kidney transplant, they pay for most of the stuff. Mm-hmm. After obviously you met your deductible, but some of the medications you gotta, you know, you gotta pay out of pocket and stuff like that. But it is expensive all the way. But yeah, insurance take a lot of hate from it. Mm-hmm. So, Otherwise, I don't think you anybody can afford that. Yeah, except if you're that, a billionaire, obviously, right? But yeah, because half a million for a kidney, and this is just for the transplant. It's not yes. including like. The post, the follow up, the follow ups, the medication. Like, if anything goes wrong, now you have to go back in and like get that fixed. So what happened is I was on dialysis for four years. Mm-hmm. During that time, I got a lot of ups and downs. Some of the times I was really worse. Some of the times I was doing great. Like I was not sick. And this is the cool thing: nobody knew I was sick just by looking at me. They were like, you know, you look normal. Some people find out because I told them or because somebody else told them I was sick. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't know. I never cry. I never tell anybody. Oh, I'm sick. So you know, to feel sorry for me, kind yeah. of thing. I'm um, trying to stay as healthy as I could. And then on March of, a few years ago in March, I got a convulsion. Mm-hmm. And that really took me out. And that's when I got sicker and sicker. And then I got better again. And then on December, they finally called me for a transplant. And, how, um, how, how did that feel? Like getting that, finally that call? I was in Utah actually that day. So I went to get my dental clearance and my dental doc- doctor is in Utah. And... I got that paper because you got to sign a paper that you have a dental clearance every year for, you know. Mm-hmm. And I took that paper to the hospital and I said, hey, this is my paper. I was December 30th when I did that. I was on vacation from my work that we got that week off, you know. So I took that paper and I was going through the outlets in Leahy, Utah. <laughs> and we were driving and they call. Maybe 10, 15 minutes later. Oh, shit. And I wouldn't answer the phone call. And they're just like, oh. Hey, they're calling you about your kidney. And I said, okay, hello. Yeah, we got a kidney right now. How long can you be here? I said, well, I'm in Utah. They're like, well, we're waiting for you. And, you know, they do the COVID test and that kind of stuff. But, yeah. So December 31st, I got the kidney transplant first thing in the morning. Dang. So December 20, uh, 31st, 30th? 30th? That, that's in, when they called me. But I was already in Utah. In 2020? Uh-huh. Okay. So my kidney transplant was December 31st of 2020. Wow. And then, so I got like, you know, the kidney and stuff, but at that night, something wasn't, I was bleeding. So I'm always bleed a lot, you know, like mm-hmm. after surgeries and stuff. So they didn't know that because my history of surgeries was in Idaho. So I was bleeding a lot and that was putting pressure in the kidney. So they opened again. Oh, dang. And they put a tube, you know, to drain that blood. And then on March of <laughs> this year, I got COVID. Oh, dang. And that used to take me out. I was um, I was I was pretty severe for a week, week and a half. And then right after I was get, I went to get my labs. You gotta get labs, but I didn't go to get labs when I got COVID. They didn't allow me to. So right after I got clear, I went to get labs and my creatine. It's like the function of your kidney got really bad, high. Yeah, it's supposed to be low. And I called and they said, "Oh, you gotta come down right now." So what happened is the uterine block. It mm. does not good. And I got another surgery. And then I have an nephrostometer right now because of, you know, my my body's trying to hook that ureter. Kind of like what happened with the, the other tube I was telling you for the dialysis. Yeah. So they have an nephrostomy tube to it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to take off in eight weeks. So hopefully that will, they're going to put a stand in that. Mm-hmm. We'll hopefully keep the, the ureter open. So I did have some complications. But like I always tell people when they tell me, what about if I do? What about if it's happening? I said, everybody's different. Some people get the kidney, they get out of the hospital and they will never get back. Some people like I did. Yeah, because um, but. It's always worth it. You know, I've been, so as soon as they put the the, trans, the kidney, I didn't need dialysis at all. Mm-hmm. The kidney started working right away. Um, so, uh, uh, 
like I don't mean to go back, but um, it it's just like I, I get all these questions. Uh, what? So they call you, you know, to get your your transplant, you know, and I'm sure you're probably excited and scared at the same time. Because, I was freaking out, bro. Yeah, because I would be freaking out. Be I, like, oh. I tried to call. I think every single member of my phone list and tell them how happy I was. I was just like, I couldn't believe it. So let me tell you something. <laughs> I was driving and I got pulled over because I was just texting. <laughs> you know, somebody called the cops and I said, this guy's probably drunk. So the cop pulled me over in Utah and he's like, hey, are you drunk? I said, no, I'm so sorry. He said, you, you're phoning him? I said, yes, I'm texting everybody. And I kind of told him what was going on and what's happening. So I still have that. He didn't give me a ticket because he was just such a nice guy, but I do have the warning he gave me <laughs> that I got pulled over that day. I was just freaking out, driving, but trying to call everybody, trying to tell everybody, how, you know, there is some people that help me along those four years. There is people that help me a lot, mm-hmm. money wise. Some people help me with like moral support. You know, they give me, you know, hang out with me and tell me hey, we're gonna wait. You know, yeah, you got it. And I, you know, trying to call everybody and tell them. I'm Man. sure some get really happy, some others don't. But you just get so happy, you don't know what to do with yourself. You yeah, know? yeah, like that excitement. Because and yes, you get scared too because you don't know what you're facing. What happened? You know, all these questions. What's gonna happen? So. Yeah, because you you you'll go through the. I'm sure it happens to everybody. Is my body going to accept it? You know, like, what if my body doesn't accept the kidney? You know, like you start going through all these things. So they call you. You're like, I'm in Utah. Were you like, I'm going to head over? So what happened, I was in Utah with my wife mm-hmm. at that time. She actually get a phone call. They called her, but she didn't answer the phone. And then when they called her, she actually, they left her on voicemail. She answered the second phone call, and that's when she gave it to me. So I took her to Logan, one of my friends, picked her up, and then I went back to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got pulled over when I was driving from <laughs> from um, back to the hospital. And so, it, how's the process? Is it like you show up there? They have to like test, like do tests on you before uh-huh. they actually do it. They just you know all the infections you can get and stuff. They don't want you to have any infections, so they did tests for COVID, MRSA, anything you know to work everything. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of work blood. They make sure you're healthy mm-hmm. that you don't have any infections that you know everything is right and then so how long from the initial phone call to the actual surgery so i got there about 10 10 30 p.m mm-hmm. they didn't take me in until like 7 30 a.m next morning okay but i didn't sleep i was just oh how can you <laughs> yeah dude I, I did get dialysis the night because they told me to so i did get my machine and i hook up because that was the cool part about the pd that's why one of my doctors recommended it because I could have taken the machine with me and the fluids with me. Mm-hmm. I went to California twice for vacation. I take my dialysis stuff over there and stuff. It was a little hassle because at the end I was doing 14 hours and a half. Oh, wow. So basically I wake up, go to work. I never stopped working. I, um, the guy that used to supply my my supplies for the dialysis, he used to tell me, do you got to stop? Mm-hmm. Nobody works. You're the only one working. I said, I have a choice. And I like that. You know, I don't want to sit down and be like, I'm just dying. I'm just going to mm-hmm. sit here, you know. Mm-hmm. I was working, I was trying to, so I wake up, unhook from the machine, go to work, come back, hook up. And then that was my, my routine for, for months. Yeah. Cause not, not only is that helping you like, uh, with like financially, but it helps right. you with their, like your mentality, it like you, your, your, your you mental going. health. Cause it distracts you. That's why, uh, when people go through like, uh, like some, like a heart, uh, breakup or like, uh, depression or stuff like that. That's why distracting yourself is helps. Cause I remember after I broke up with my ex, uh, the one I told you I was with for, for a while, mm-hmm. you didn't think, you don't think it, you're like, it's not going to bug me. It's not going to bug me. But then you slowly start realizing that it really did. Yeah. And I, I was, I was noticing that I would like 
go to work, go home and just lock myself in the room, just in there. You know what I mean? Like air, for like months. And then I finally started, you know, I'm like, this is not good for me. And what helped me was going to the gym just because not, I wasn't going to, uh, like look great, am- amazing for girls. No, I was going because it was distracting me. And I can see that like with working, uh, even I'm not saying like if someone's in your situation, go work a hard, intense labor job. No, like just distract yourself in some way because I'm sure it helped you, right? Like working, not only did it help you financially with that peace of mind, but I'm sure it distracted you, like distracted you from the fact that you're going through all this. So I needed the money. Mm -hmm. That was one of the main reasons. But I always tell people, don't treat me different. Mm -hmm. My boss actually did. He did something for me amazing. So I used to be fabricator, install a little bit of everything. When that happened, he put me in a CNC router, so I didn't do much, just, you know, physically. Because on some of the days I go to work and I did my table and I just sit on the chair and I just fall asleep, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Some of the days I just fall asleep and they didn't even say anything to me. Some other days I was like pumped and I was doing a lot as much as I could, but um, nobody ever like talked to me or treat me different, and that's mm-hmm. what I like it the most about mm-hmm. people. You know, I always tell them, don't you know, don't feel sorry for me, don't treat me different, you mm-hmm. know. On my mind, I want to keep that I can do things. I don't want to like push back or hold back. I want to, you know, do the yeah. best I can. Yeah. And yes, it does help you to like get out of the mentality of like, oh, you know, to kind of feel sorry for yourself. Yeah. You know, you can do that. I always tell people, don't, you know, people can shut, you know, people can go away, people can move, people can get out of your life, but you can do that. You cannot shut down. Yeah. You're the only one that can, I always tell people, you're the only one that can put you down. Yeah. If you don't, you know, people can tell you bad things, like I said earlier, but if you don't, you don't, let that get you, they won't get you, you know? Mm. You're the only one person can tell you no, and you're the only one person can tell you yes. So, you know, for me, no, when somebody tells me no, that means next opportunity. It doesn't mean no. Yeah. It means, you know, next opportunity. So I knock a lot of doors. I, you know, try to talk to other people, and I get a lot of no's. Mm-hmm. And during that process, I learned no means just next opportunity. Something better will come, something else, you know? And sometimes it, it did happen. You know, people... I remember some of the times I needed money and, you know, somebody, I saw somebody that day and they, dude, I got something for you. One time I remember this, this is really cool. Um, I saw one of my friends, he lives in Jackson. I didn't see him for a long time. And he came to me and said, hey, how you doing? I said, dude, I'm doing pretty good. And he said, I just, you know, want to give you this. And he gave me a thousand bucks. I don't oh, know where. And I needed money that time. <laughs> and, you know, many times that happened. Some mm-hmm. people even sell food to give me that money. Mm-hmm. Members of the, the church that I go to, they help me out. People, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere. So that kind of like also motivates you to keep going. You know, people are fighting for you. Why can you not fight for yourself? Yeah. You know, why can you not get up in the morning and be like, okay, you know, Damn. let's fight. You know yeah. what I mean? I know um, when I got sick, I was a young lady that got sick with me, kind of same time and everything. And I just saw her, how different things are. And it's like, we got to fight, you know, we kind of motivate ourselves. Um, we just cannot shut down. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you're going to be your biggest support system. Like, yeah, of course, have those people around you. But at the end of the day, it comes down to you. Like like you said, you could either be there like, oh, like I'm sick. I'm just going to sit here and self-pity. Or you can just be like, you know what? Like, we're sick. It's okay. We're going to get through this. You know, let's get through the day. You got to accept the situation you mm-hmm. are. You know, the limitations you also get. But at the same time, you got to, okay, I got this. You know, uh, what are we saying? It's all true because what I learned in the hospital was like, as soon as you close the door, whatever you are, your house, your room, your office, anywhere, as soon as you close that door, the people that stay inside is the people you are with. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's just you. Yeah. You know, 
And sometimes it's all you need, honestly. Yeah, and, and it's weird because it's true because I've been through that where you're either going to beat yourself up or you're going to help yourself get through whatever situation you're going through. You know, and that's why a lot of people ask me now why I'm always by myself is because I can actually, like, I don't need a bunch of people around me to be like, oh, you got to do that. You know what I mean? Like, you know how some people do stuff for other people? Me, I'm like, I know how to self-motivate myself. I know how to, like, if something happens, I'm like, dang, okay. Like, you know what? Let's, let, Edgar, you, you got this. Get up, keep going. You know what I mean? Like, and that's how I was able to get to where I'm at now is because, Yes, of course, there's people along the way who help. But at the end of the day, it comes down to you. You know, one of the things that I learned and I love it, I always tell people, I said, you know, you're the only one person mm-hmm. that you count with at the end of the day. You yeah. know, there is always gifts. I, I I, honestly count people as a gift, you know, and I try to be gift. But I always tell people, if you're good, you can be gift for somebody else. Not mm-hmm. always thinking, oh, what are they going to give me today? What, what am I going to get help from? Try always to be that one person for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that helped me so many times not to be like sorry for myself, first of all, and then always think I can do something else for somebody. Yeah. You know, there is always somebody in a worse situation than you are. And that not just keep you in like, oh, gratefulness. That just make you want to help them, yeah. you know, and keep going and know that people need you as much as you need them. But if you can be that one person for somebody else, why not? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that also helped you a lot to think about others. That just keep you from not thinking about yourself sometimes, yeah. you know? When you're like, oh, I need this, I need this, you just like close your mind to that. But if you said, oh, I need this, but somebody else needs a word, okay, let's give it to them. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like I said, it's a prayer. Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes you just got to go for them and be there. Not even talk to them. Just be for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, when I, one of my friends gets sick right now and they get to the hospital, guess what I do? I just go there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have to stay with friends over the night and they're like, dude, go home. It's like, no, I'm going to stay here with you. Mm-hmm. we don't talk sometimes they're on their phone some on my phone but they know i'm there for them you know because at one point i was there and people were there for me mm-hmm. so why not and you know how much like even if you're not talking how much their presence made for you at that moment right you know what i mean and i i, I can see why you do that and sometimes i even like to be there because when the doctor comes and try not trying to tell them this i can understand a lot of the you know the, the terms doctors and stuff, and, yes yeah. And I tell them, I even ask questions to the doctors for them that they cannot even ask at that time. And I said, hey, but think about this and what about these, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of things. And I just like to help people. Yeah. That's really one of the main um, reasons. I like to serve others. Yeah. And it, and it's always, it, it's funny because I'm the same way. I like to help people, whether they come for me, like for advice for something. Like I'm always, I'm an open book. You ask me something, I'm going to tell you because I like to help people. You know what I mean? Like I, I get, it. it makes me happy. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure it happens to you too. Like when some, like if you can help them with some advice or anything or uh, putting them in the right path, be like, Hey, talk to this person, you know, like they're going to be able to uh, help you the the way you want to get helped and stuff like that. To me, it's, it's fulfilling. Yes. You know what I mean? And I don't do it. I'm like, Hey, go talk to him, but you owe me this, you know, like, no, it's, it's, it's a, cause some people are like that. Some people are like, Oh, I know the right people, but you have to pay me like for that. No. And like the more people, you can help the better everybody gets. You know what I mean? Like the moment you start becoming selfish and like all this information or all this stuff is for me. Like it's for me to know it's for me to make profit. I'm not like, I'm going to tell you exactly how I did it, you know, or what I do, you know, go Good. for it. And so, so like I told you earlier, sometimes you just got to think about yourself as being a gift for others. Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell people you're a gift 
And they're like, how am I a gift? I said, I don't know. You, I mean, help others. You know, you can be a gift for somebody else. Sometimes mm. you smile somebody. So when I go to California, it's funny because I say hi to everybody and people look at me like, what is this guy doing? You know, people are just angry. Even here in Idaho, I go to the stores and I smile to everybody. I say, hey, good morning, people. Like, hey, yeah, good. You know, people are kind of like, hey. many times I have a stop on the road and I see somebody walking and I offer them a ride. A lot of people say, no, 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 no. They kind of feel weird about it. Some, I feel like the world becoming like, they don't want the help sometimes because they don't know what, like, what are you doing it for? Like you said, some people do it because they want something else, mm-hmm. you know? But we just got to change that. Yeah. We got to be the one, you know, at least in that piece of world that we're living in, we got to be the one person that's doing it because they, you know, they really want to help. They really want to change yeah. the atmosphere. You know, I like sometimes when I get to the room and I change the atmosphere, he's smiling, you know, telling everybody, how you doing? You know, get excited about things. Mm-hmm. So they know you care about them. You know, you ask the question, you actually wait for the answer because I also have people, they're like, how are you? And they're just walking. They're not even waiting for the answer. You're like, oh, great. <laughs> and they, you know, by. they just said that because they're programmed to say that. Yeah. But how many people actually really come up to you and say, hey, how are you? And like looking you in the eyes and expect that answer. And you can actually be honest with them and say, dude, I'm not doing okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I can actually listen to you. I'm trying to be one of those persons. I always tell my friend, you're not okay. Tell me what's going on. What You know what I mean? Yeah. We need those people. We need people that actually take the time to care about other people. Exactly. Right now, we're just too fast. You know, sometimes we're like, hey, friend, how are you? Good. All right. I just call you say hi, bye. Yeah. We don't even take the time to get the answer. Yeah. Or sometimes we get the answer to make an opinion, not to actually listen. And that's something that I did learn along the way. You know, sometimes we're just listening to people to give by opinion, to give an advice. And sometimes they don't need that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just want to talk and you just got to listen. You know, if they say, hey, what do you think? talk yeah but sometimes they just need you to be there yeah and, and it's cool because uh like i tell people all the time before i even started doing this is i would sit down and have conversations with people just because that's i like i love to talk i love to talk to people i like to get to know them i like to know where they come from like what they do because it really interests me as you can see here like i don't have a a, a thing of notes i don't have anything because i'm always interested in the conversation this is spontaneous yeah because I'm curious about what you're going through, how it's going to help others, how it's going to help me. Like sitting down having conversations like this, it's priceless. Like you can't, like just the information, just getting the the positive energy from you right now. You know what I mean? Like You're like, I'm going through all this stuff, but hey, like we're doing great. You know, one of the gifts I always tell people I have is my my smile. Mm-hmm. And many people say, how come you always are smiling? I say, because it's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's a gift and that has no price for you. You cannot pay for it. Yeah, I it, cannot pay for it, but the, I have it. I'm, I like to give it to people, yeah. you know, um, honestly, when you realize life is a gift, you don't deserve it. You cannot pay for it. That was giving it to you. You appreciate it more, you know, because there is no price for it. Do you, do you know about when you started feeling like that? When I got sick, you yeah. know, when, so let me tell you this really fast, going back a little bit. For days, I couldn't even, not even drink water mm-hmm. because all the taste, because all the stuff was going on. I cannot even drink a glass of water. And then you just realize how much important sometimes a glass of water is compared to like shoes, cars, things like that. And you just like, dude, I was wrong this whole time. Mm-hmm. You start realizing that all this material stuff really means nothing. You know, it's, I mean, it's cool to have it. I have no problem with people wanting it or have it. I just, sometimes you just got to put in perspective what's the important thing because sometimes we just got to like, sometimes people are just important, you mm-hmm. know, and sometimes we just think 
like, what can I get from you? You know what I mean? Like, I have friends because I need them, because I get something from them, but not really because I care about them. Like I was saying earlier, how many people actually wait today for you to say, I'm okay? Sometimes, like I said, they're just walking by. Yeah, not even really paying attention. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I can see that. And and it's cool that you, you know, hopefully it changes people's perspective. Don't wait until something bad happens. Because I know we were talking about earlier about getting checked. But appreciate the people around you. Appreciate your life, just because we we always take it for granted. We I, always do. Like we always, uh, we don't just appreciate the little things that have that we have. You know what I mean? Like me, I'm extremely grateful for this conversation because it's helped me. Like, no, I, you were gonna say something. I don't hold back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed since the first day I saw you, I started telling you nice things. Mm-hmm. Hey, you do good. Your job is the best. Things like that. I don't hold back. I tell people because I'm gonna tell you why. When somebody goes to the cas- gasket, you know, when they die, there's nothing else you can say. And that's that's when all the positive you stuff comes You know what I up. mean? So I always tell people, hey, you're cool. You're smiles. You know, always try to tell somebody positive. You know, because when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Because I see it a lot. And like, uh, I mean, everywhere we wait until something bad happens to that person in order to be like, dang, I really, I really, you know, I should have said this to him. I should. Why not do it when they're alive? You know what I mean? Like me, like for you, I love your positive energy that you bring. Since that, when we actually talked again, you know, uh, at, at the waterfront, like it was nothing but po- positive, like positivity from you. You were just smiling the whole time. And I'm like, this dude is like, like, I love his energy. You know what I mean? Like, it was cool to be around. It, it was cool just because you didn't give me anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you you weren't there like, hey, like, let me buy something from you. Like, you, you were just like a conversation, you know, a conversation and just smiling and then uh, remembering uh, just a few like people from the past and like how many people you actually know, like, you know what I mean? Like the connections, uh, the, the connections. And, and then, uh, and then you told me you wanted to start a podcast and which I'm, I hope you, you know, continue on with it. You know, uh, th- that way you can e- educate the people that don't know, or just, especially the Hispanic community who like we just, or some of them just don't know where to go or what questions to ask. So they just don't ask them. There are so many questions. Yeah. There are so many uh, going on in your head, and sometimes you wish somebody was there. Mm-hmm. I want to be that person, to mm-hmm. be honest, um, especially for the non-speaking English people. I don't speak great English, but oh, you do some great. people do not speak at all. You know, so sometimes they need translation. Sometimes people don't really tell them what the meaning means, and that's when it gets hard. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't understand what you're actually telling them on the translating part, you know, if they miss something, that can be somebody very important that they're missing, and they're just like, oh. Or if they have, because I remember before my dad learned how to speak English uh, really well, he would always have us translate. And you can't, you can't have a kid translate for you because they're not translating it properly. You know what I mean? What if you take a kid and they're like, "Hey, you, you're this is wrong with you." you have, the kid could probably be like, uh, "He's saying something's wrong with your back." You know, like I'm just gonna give you a perfect example that I always tell people. What about if they tell kid a? It's raining cats and dogs, and the kid's gonna look at that and it's like, "Hey, está viendo gatos y perros, apa. You know what I mean? You cannot translate all this stuff literally. Yeah. You have to like analyze what they're trying to say, mm-hmm. and that's when it gets hard, you know. And I want to be that person because when I got sick, I didn't know where to go. Obviously, I got great people, but sometimes you just want somebody that is on the same situation or they went through the same things that you can talk to. Like, hey, what do you eat? What can you know? Simple questions. That sometimes you cannot ask your daughter because it's gonna be like, dude, I don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean. People that you can actually relate with. Yeah, because they're going to just tell you what they've learned. You know, does that make sense? Like, yeah. they're going to tell you what they learned by uh, just 
a book or what they experience, but it's different coming from somebody Experimental. Who's, who's actually going through it. Be like, yeah, he said do this, but it really didn't work. So I did this, you know, and it helped me a lot, you know, because everyone, like you said, is differently. Uh, some people can do the transplant. Perfect. Nothing wrong with them. You know, good to go. Just some follow ups. But or they can get the transplant complications, you know, and like you still have to go through other things because like you like you said, it's not all the way there. And will it ever be? Yes. Supposed to be. I got to go back on February 18th. And they're going to pull the nephrostomy tube out. Um, and that was still people. It's just a process, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just grateful for it. It can be in a worse situation. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could have. I be- could be dead right now. Exactly. When I got that seizure, you know, on March last year, I got bad. I cannot, I, I was starting to talk for like a month. I cannot even put words together. Sometimes <laughs> I wanted to be, I look at people and I said, how do you, how do you say this? For like a month, I cannot even coordinate the words. You know, uh, I wake up with a lot of anxiety at night, and I just want to rain. I used to cry, you know, just freaked out. Dang. That was bad. I never had one of those, and that was bad. I was out for, for, for a minute yeah. that day. And, and this is all perfect. Like, uh, that way you can explain to people that it's not the easiest journey, but you can get through it. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, you've been through to the bottom, to the way bottom. When they told you, like, you're practically... Like you have one option, <laughs> basically. Uh, the other option was just die. Yeah, one know? of my one of my friends went and see me, and he's you know he was he's bigger. He born here, so his English is better. He talked to a doctor, and you know, and when he came to me, he said, "Hey, the doctor said if you were to stay home a few more days, you would just die there." <sighs> Obviously, sometimes the doctors they don't just you know tell you all this because there is so much to handle. But I'm just grateful to be here right now because I couldn't be here. Yeah. So. No, and dude, I want to thank you for coming and in just chatting with you. And hopefully, you get this podcast started. You know, hopefully, I like like I said, if you have any questions, anything, I'm more than willing to help. Uh, especially like anyone, or if anyone has questions, I always have people message me. Do they go through with it? No, you know, like I'll give them all this information, but th- the best thing is uh, consistency. Is like you have you have that information. You just need to find the right people to give it to because people are always searching the internet for information. And there's a bunch of people who will read a book and then just like, hey, this is what the book says. Or there's people like yourself who actually experience uh, situations like this. And it that information that you have, like where you had to go to, who you had to talk to, uh, and different things like that is very valuable to them. You know, it's priceless to them. You know, so I want to thank you for coming on and having this conversation with me. And hopefully, you know, the people listening, you know, uh, they they see how precious being not only positive all the time uh and even when you're going through some stuff you can always lift somebody else's day uh like you do you know what i mean like you're always smiling you're always happy you're always uh the first thing that you came in here you're like oh dude you're doing amazing like this is and that you know and just like that type of energy uh even though you're going you're still going through some of your uh, uh complications from your surgery but you wouldn't be able to tell that you're that's, going through. That's a plus, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, again, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm going to link his Instagram and his Facebook down below. If you guys have any any questions, uh, feel free to reach out. He does speak. He is very fluent in Spanish too. So uh, he was my trying first to, language. Yeah, he was trying to convince me to try to do this in Spanish. But uh, my first language is obviously like uh, I speak mainly English. Yeah, I can hold my conversation. You know, hold my own in, in Spanish, but. Uh, that'd be kind of tough for me. I'd, I'd get nervous because I have that 
that slang Spanish. You know what I mean? Like the the slang. Because uh, I would say some things before, and people were like, "What the fuck does that mean?" You know, like because that's how your parents and in their their uh, rancho would say it. Sometimes and, the meaning of things you can change from one town to another. Exactly. That's Spanish why Spanish is hard. You know, I've always people. <laughs> I always tell people English is a lot easier than, than Spanish. There is so many meanings, so many times, you know, the time changes in Spanish. And sometimes you can set el casa instead of la casa, you know, so mm -hmm. it is harder. Yeah. So, uh, so like I said, I'm going to link everything down below. And also, if you can let everybody know who is also listening, that is not, doesn't speak English very well. Just kind of, shit. Oh, that's my uh, Amber alert. Shit, hold on. It's because my my Bluetooth is connected. Yeah, I sh I threw my phone down on the way. As for uh, I did get a product, but it's it's. Oh, it's it's a weather alert. It says National Weather Service snow squall warning until one thirty p.m. Slowdown and delay travel. Be ready to icy road. Where's this at though? Because you know how I usually the Amber alerts and stuff like that. Mm, it sounded like it though. Yeah. So uh, explain to him a little bit what you've been through. Uh, Like in Spanish, what you've been through, what you can help them with, and you know, that way they can, because we can't go through and do the whole podcast again in, right. in, in Spanish. So just briefly explain like what you've been through, how you can help people and, you know, where you can, they can reach you at. Tenía 27 años y tuve un diagnóstico de kidney failure, que es como el falla renal. Tenía el 8% en ese momento y de ahí comenzó diálisis, cuatro años, entonces... Gracias a Dios tuve la oportunidad de recibir un trasplante que mucha gente no la tiene. Entonces, me gustaría que pudieran hacer sus preguntas y todo, sobre todo la gente que, que habla español, ¿no? Porque hay muy poca información en las redes, hay muy pocas uh, preguntas que te responden realmente en Google, en algunos libros incluso. Entonces, siempre es bueno tener una fuente en la que podamos contar, ¿no? Um, y nada, para servirle, entonces... Son cinco años, el, en diciembre 31 de este año cumplo cinco años de que esto comenzó, pero como vuelvo a repetir, el trasplante ya vino hace un año exactamente, ahora el 31. Entonces ha sido una experiencia bastante loca, dijeran en México, pero a la vez ha sido bastante buena porque para poder ayudar a otras personas. Así que um, gracias por escuchar y estamos para servir. Y también diles que vas, vas a empezar un, un podcast también. Claro, sí, el, el punto de aquí venir con mi amigo Edgar era más que nada preguntar cómo estaba esto y tratar de alguna manera de, de hacer algo así en donde la gente pueda escuchar, donde la gente pueda preguntar, donde pueda responder preguntas, donde la gente se pueda uh, sincerar con uno y decir, hey, ¿sabes qué? Estoy pasando por esto, ¿qué puedo hacer aquí? De alguna manera tratar de orientarlos, no responder tal vez todo, pero sí orientarlos o mandarlos a un lugar donde los puedan ayudar profesionalmente, ¿no? Entonces hay muy poca información para la gente hispana, sobre todo muchas veces porque el idioma no se dificulta y eso es algo que pasa. Me ha tocado verlo. A veces estaba en el hospital y, y me ha tocado traducir por personas ahí en ese momento porque a veces no hay quien les ayude. Entonces, uh, más que nada para ayudar a los demás y vamos a estar, si, uh, si os lo permite, el, el mes que viene vamos a tener un podcast al aire. Sergio, again, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. This has been amazing. Uh, like again, look out for his podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely share it on, on on our social medias too, as well. That way, you guys can get that information. Uh, and you know, if you guys have any questions, you, you guys can reach out to him, and you know, and he's more than happy to answer anything for you. So, thank you, sir. No, thank it, you for the space and you know your audience. No, no, thank you, dude. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. And uh, you guys listening, thank you guys. And just remember, always stay positive. That's right. right. Smile. Smile. All right. See you guys. Say bye. Bye. <laughs> I'm
Estamos en Miami, en un yate, un corito sano, no le pare. Yo no vuelvo para atrás. Cuello frío, me siento en Alaska. Me dicen Tommy lo mucho que gastas. Estamos arriba, me siento en la NASA, mamá.